0: Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore. I am your co-host, Andrew McPeak. And our mission here at Growing Leaders is to empower the emerging generations with skills to lead in real life. And Tim, today we're talking about why they need those skills so badly because we're seeing lots of instances. It's always been true, but in this social media age, we're seeing so many instances of kids often reacting
1: in some negative ways. It's so true. In fact, I have been in the teaching profession now for 40 years. I don't think I've ever seen it quite this high, this need for this skill set we're going to talk about today. Andrew, you and I were talking recently about a young high school student named Brandy Levy yeah, who didn't make the varsity squad cheerleading. Yes. And then she just went into an outrage. We live in a culture of outrage yep. on social media, and that eliminated her ability to even be on any of the teams, yep. the cheerleading teams. And yep. it was because of what she vented on
0: social media. Now, we know this story. In fact, everybody's probably going, "Brandy Levy, I've heard that name before." Yeah. That's because this case is now before the Supreme yeah. Court, and of course, it's a whole question on the First Amendment and yeah. can schools punish kids for so- things they say on social media outside of school? But uh, honestly, the biggest question is this, right? It's the one that you and I were talking about. Mm-hmm. Why did this have to happen to begin with? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Why did she have to react to the way that she reacted? Did she not have, you know, other ways to, uh, other outlets to have uh, to have this reaction or have this conversation? And I think this is exactly the conversation we want to talk about it today. It is, and she's
1: not the only one. Talyn Jefferson in the state of Kansas uh, had a conflict with a coach that's made its way onto Twitter. Again, impulsivity, and it just, it was once again an illustration, are we having the wrong conversations about free speech? Yeah. And should be talking about, can we manage ourselves yes. uh, better? Um, yeah, students all the time are getting in trouble with social media posts. But for that matter, we adults are getting in trouble. Indeed, uh, indeed. Yeah, with and, social
0: media And posts. we're certainly not making any comments on the First Amendment. I don't know if I, uh, that yeah. might be above my <laughs> pay grade. But it, it is an interesting question to ask, What? how are we reacting in this world that really sort of garners reaction? And it seems like the younger you are, the more susceptible you often are to these sorts of reactions. You know what it makes me think of, Tim? Uh, this exact thing, same thing happened in the most recent football season yes. as well. Yes. Uh, I don't know if you remember, there was a big game in the SEC between Florida and LSU, yep. um, and it was a really tight game. In fact, the game was tied. Uh, floor, or, uh, LSU has the ball, uh, and L- it's third and 10. LSU is, um, I think they ran it to the outside, and, and the uh, one of the defensive players, Marco Wilson for Florida, tackles the guy, great tackle. They're six yards short of the first down. But if you remember the season, you remember what happened next. He did not stop there. In fact, part of his celebration was that he ripped off the shoe of the guy he had just tackled and threw it in celebration. And of course, as he's in the middle of this, all his teammates are running over going, no, no, no and they knew exactly what was going to happen. Penalty was called, and all of a sudden that stop, uh, that was a fourth and six, all of a sudden becomes a first and goal. LSU goes on to drive down the field, kick the winning field goal, win the game. Some people actually argue it may have kept Florida out of the playoffs even, not even just causing them to lose that game. But what another example of an emotional reaction in a moment that has uh, lots and lots of consequences.
1: Yeah, so it's it's true. Schools... um, just have to begin assessing. So do moms and dads. Yeah. More than academic knowledge and uh, non We We've got to move into the non-academic world and say we're teaching the whole person. And that's really what we're about, yeah. growing leaders. So, Andrew, you may be aware of this, but approximately 2,000 superintendents, administrators, teachers, and parents were surveyed. And most of them agreed that schools should be, begin teaching and testing for practical life skills, not just academic subjects. So we've we've gotten this very um, singular focus. And I do agree, academics are important. But I find myself saying in almost every one of these podcasts, we've got to teach life. We've got to teach leadership. Um, And and this is really the theme of our podcast today. Absolutely.
0: What those educators are realizing is that these two things are intimately connected, right? The academics we want to see these kids thrive in are connected to the soft skills and whether or not they've developed them, right? How well can a classroom teaching go if one of the students is having an emotional reaction right there in the classroom, right? These two things are intimately linked, and that's why we've got to talk about how do we build soft skills, and in particular, the, the soft skill that's going to allow students to sort of make a better decision in an
1: emotional moment. Yeah. So there's disagreement, as I understand the survey, on which soft skills might be most important. For instance, a technical, a computer tech might need a different set of skills than a salesperson. Which makes sense. But the one thing we all agree on is that we need soft skills. We need um, really, social and emotional learning. There's the term again. Yeah. Uh, taught and there's one particular soft skill that every single person surveyed agreed this must be taught, so and that's fantastic. our theme for the for the podcast today.
0: Absolutely. Well, um, if you're you're probably putting the connections together at this point, the soft skill. It's actually a sub competency of social and emotional learning is simply managing emotions. Do I have the ability to regulate my emotions,
1: to be aware of what's going on, and how well do I handle that? Think, listeners, about how many conflicts could have been averted or avoided, whether it was a political conflict or not even a political issue, just the the wearing of masks and, and the vaccine and all that we've been through the last year could have been averted had we been able to manage emotions better. Uh, So when a high school student can't control their emotional outbursts, they sabotage not only classroom time, but their ability to utilize logic and learning. Heightened emotions tend to last about 90 seconds, but they diminish clear thinking for hours. Fascinating. Uh, When a young retail clerk can't control their emotional response to an unhappy customer, they not only risk losing a sale, they may push away a customer for good and motivate them to tell the story on social media. That's a ripple effect absolutely, that's quite negative. Yeah. Uh, when student-athletes like Marco Wilson, you just talked about, Andrew, can't manage their emotion, it may appear positive at first since they play with more passion maybe for a minute, but unfortunately those emotions begin to sabotage good judgment and usually lead to penalties and personal fouls. Yeah. And then I'm even thinking about young married people. Uh, you know, you and I both have come to believe marriage is the polisher of character, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. So when a young married person can't control their emotions, their partner may feel it's it's bearable for a week or two. But when it's a regular pattern, no healthy person wants to remain in the same home with this sort of volatility in another person. So I think everybody would agree that's listening. Yes, I get this. How do we do this? Absolutely. And you can see the challenge, right? No matter
0: what capacity we're in, we need this skill. Um, and, you know, we might be looking at it and going, why do we need this in the classroom? Well, you just spoke to it. Yeah. Why would I need this in the, in the uh, working environment? Well, you just spoke to it, right? It's just a constant reminder to us that life skills uh, are just that. They last into life, not just in the interactions we want to have with them or the grade we're trying to get them to accomplish, but we know we're, we're building in them a skill that's going to help now and well into
1: the future. No doubt about it. So listeners, let's talk for just a minute about what's going on inside of us when we succeed or fail at managing our emotions. Let's talk about how the brain works. So if you can imagine a diagram of your brain, I'm sure you've seen a brain diagram a thousand times. All the messages that come into our brain come from the nervous system. They're sent up the spinal cord into our our brain. The message or the communication or the information passes through the limbic system, which is the lower center of the brain, before it gets up to the frontal lobe, which is up front and higher in our brain. So mm-hmm. there's a lower part and a higher part, and there's a, there's a centerpiece, and then there's a frontal piece. So the limbic system is where we feel. Mm. So think about it. The messages you get go through the feeling portion of your brain before they get to the thing. Can you see danger right there?
0: Yes, yes, <laughs> especially
1: if I'm younger, right? Yes, so I'm feeling something before I'm ever thinking something. Yeah. That's scary, especially when you consider an adolescent brain isn't fully developed until maybe mid-20s. So they're thinking, let's jump off the cliff with a skateboard or whatever, you know, and maybe not thinking about the, <laughs> yeah, the consequences. That message so,
0: didn't make it all the way to the frontal lobe. That's low, exactly right.
1: right. Yeah. So all of us, whoever's listening, it's you too. The limbic system's going to get the message first. If we could somehow manage those emotions, that buys us some time to think squarely. And even in our leadership team meeting, we're talking about how do we do this with each other? We need to. So this is huge. And, And as I said, it's not just the kids. We've all seen Little League dads at ball games go ballistic and it's just great. Or mom at a PTA meeting go ballistic. Right now, there's a school district not far from where we are that's just the board meetings. The board of education. But he's yelling just, at each other. Yes, and, yeah. it's so sad. And I'm thinking, we're not setting an example for the kids if we want them to manage their emotions. Absolutely. So this is this is what we're trying to address right here. Yeah,
0: there are lots of. Uh, I hear lots of conversation these days, uh, especially around SEL and you know, should or shouldn't it take place in schools? And I think some of the pushback to the movement is lots of teachers going, this is a space for academics. Why are we talking about emotions? And I think understanding how the human brain works, like you just broke down for us, helps us understand why we would want to talk about emotions in the context of an academic space. It's because every piece of information you hear has context, emotional context
1: applied to it. Um, And we have to think about that when we think about how are we engaging students. No doubt about it. You and I have both enjoyed reading Jonathan Height from New York University, yes, yeah. uh, a leadership ethics professor. But he wrote, a, he's written a few great books, but The Righteous Mind, he, he talks about the elephant and the rider. And this is such a great metaphor for understanding how our brains actually work. So if you can picture, listeners, an ele- a big elephant, uh, and on top of the elephant is a little man, a little rider, okay? The rider represents our logic and reason, our yep. rationale, the elephant really represents everything else, the impulsivity, the, the subconscious, everything that's brewing underneath yep. the rider, okay? Now, the rider pretends he's in charge. He's whipping that elephant, pretends he's in charge. But really, the elephant's so big, that elephant goes wherever he wants to. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is the rider pretends he's in charge. Isn't it true? You do something really stupid, you go... I'm now going to defend why I just did that with four logical reasons, and your spouse is going, right, really? Seriously? You know? Yeah. But it's what happens. So again, we're saying, can we tame the elephant Mm -hmm. long enough for the writer reason to be in control.
0: Yeah. And and are we able to stop and realize that that's what's happening, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. And I, it's hard enough for adults to do it. What we're suggesting is students have got to learn to do it too, mm-hmm. to go, you know what? I just let the elephant take over for a little bit there. I need to stop, process what happened, possibly apologize, and yeah. then talk about how do we move forward. Now that is a skill that's <laughs> worth having. No
1: doubt. And Andrew, you've heard me say this before, but pardon me. I believe we, all of us, including me, live in a speedy and convenient and high-volume, high-speed culture where we are sometimes emotionally lazy or socially lazy. Yes. So we become impulsive, as we just mentioned. We become impatient, waiting in line for something, and we become impersonal, yeah. fubbing people with earbuds in our ears so we don't have to talk to anybody. It's too, too burdensome, too, yep. too much of a drudgery. And, and again, I'm ju- we're just arguing here listeners whether you're a parent or a teacher or a coach or an employer there are things we can do to begin to help the next gen get this right so this really comes down because
0: of the world you just described it comes down to why is it so important that we be intentional about these things because yeah. our world is not going to do it for for us right it's not going to drive kids to emotionally or to to uh, intentionally engage their emotions so it comes down to are we doing this and that's really what we want to talk about is what exactly are we building and how do we do it
1: so let me remind you, listeners, this all falls under social-emotional learning, which is the educational term for emotional intelligence. Yes, yeah. And there are, um, there are components to this, such as self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, and relationship management. And then, of course, we tack on um, responsible decision-making to that. But um, this is where we learn to actively listen, like you want those students to. You learn to empathize, like you want those students to. You learn to recognize and value unique individuals and why they're unique. Uh, you learn to welcome, not shun, diverse perspectives, and then you learn to withhold judgment until a person is finished talking. Imagine that. Imagine so, that. Yeah. So this is this is a big issue, and and again, uh, we're probably preaching to the choir here, yeah. but we just again, the surveys show this is one thing we do all agree with. We've got to teach the next gen to manage their emotions on the inside. So
0: in terms of how we do this, I mean, there are obviously whole curriculums out there to help build these skills. We have one, and I'll mention how to get a hold of that in just a minute. But I want you to kind of give us a really practical thing we could put in our pockets right now. The next interaction we have with a student, how can we help them take a second and process
1: their emotions and manage them in a healthy way? Okay, so listeners, um, there's a practice that I've begun in 2020 that has just helped me wade through the pandemic. And the three steps are very, very simple. Um, let me just give you three words to, to remember. The first one is pause. I get into trouble when I don't pause, but when I just react instead of respond yep. because it's instantly— So I'm saying don't react instantly. Wait. Count to 10, count to 50, whatever you have to do, and allow messages to get past that limbic system and into the frontal lobe where you can think logically, like what they might be feeling when they said that. No, they didn't word it correctly, but I know what the intent was. Yeah. You know, this is reminding me of a Habitude that's
0: actually—we haven't published it yet. It's coming— Uh, in the near future we call it simply muddy water and Mm -hmm. if you can imagine um, a glass jar full of water and just a little bit of dirt right in an emotional moment it's sort of like shaking up that jar, the water is cloudy, it's dirty, you're frustrated, you don't feel like you know what the next step is, you can't see through Mm -hmm. uh, that muddy water. But if you stop and let it settle, what Mm -hmm. you'll find is that the water becomes clear again, and you can see right through it. And we think that's a perfect metaphor for what we're asking students to do. Take a second, put that muddy water jar on the shelf, count to 10, whatever it takes, and eventually you'll be able to see what the correct
1: next step is. Things will clear up. So that's step one. The second one is the word pursue. Um, Seek after contrary points of view. Uh, Ask questions. Listen well. Research. Marinate. Open up. I know we all know that, but if I'm going to wait a little bit, maybe in that waiting time I could actually pursue, oh, maybe there is some logic to another point of view. Yeah. Usually the broader point of view is a better point of view. Uh, Two heads are better than one. Five heads are probably better than even two. Yeah. So that's just puzzle pieces and box tops. It's seeing a a larger picture. Then you see where that one piece you're holding really fits into the bigger picture. Oftentimes this is about...
0: Learning to ask the question, might I be wrong on this? Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, is it possible that I'm that I'm the problem, or I'm not seeing it completely clearly? And even if that's not what's going on, even the practice of learning to ask that question can be really helpful. Especially if you could start it early on in life, because honestly, the internet is always going to be full of a bunch yeah. of opinions that will confirm what you already yeah. believe. Right. That's right. It takes active work to go out and find a different perspective, and and the only way you're going to do that is with that little bug in your ear that says, you know what, I need to investigate and find out, am I, is my perspective actually correct
1: Yes, yeah, you're spot on. So the third and final step we're suggesting is the word perceive. Now, this is an action. Uh, stay at it until you force yourself to see it from another angle. Mm. Um, argue for it. Um, we have a phrase that we've kind of adopted, L- speak as if you believe you're right, but listen as if you believe you're wrong. Uh, that's a huge step uh, for most of us to take Absolutely. but perceive is simply staying at it until you perceive something differently uh, than you did before so pause pursue and perceive usually gives you the time you need to get that for that messaging to get to the frontal lobe and you, yep. you can act much more like a like a civil human being
0: I love this because a lot of this is based on honestly a trust of what's inside of these students if we acted with the belief that I don't think they would react the way they they are reacting, if they had had a moment to take a breath, if they had had a moment to pursue a different opinion, had a moment to really think about the situation that they're in. It's really us saying, you know what, student, um, young person, I believe you've got inside of you the ability to make a better decision here. You just need to take a breath and actually make that decision. No doubt about it. Yeah. Well, um, I thought a really great way to close would be to really talk about what does it look like when somebody gets this Right. Right. Mm, We've yeah. talked about all those examples of students who are getting this wrong. But honestly, every single day, there are students who are managing their emotions well. Um, and I, I would love for you to tell a story that captures what one young person uh, did in managing their emotions really well that led them to
1: a lot of success. Absolutely. So this young lady uh, I admire greatly, uh, she grew up in poverty. She was mm-hmm. born in Mississippi and grew up in poverty. She was raised by a teenage mom. So it was a young lady having yeah. a baby, yeah. uh, and they ended up moving to multiple locations just to make ends meet. Uh, for years, she wore old clothes made out of potato sacks. Oh, so, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. this is um, not something I experienced yeah. growing up. Um, her classmates often made fun of her as a young girl because of how she looked. Um, this is sad. Family members abused her for years, and once she even got pregnant as, uh, as a teenager, Uh, She was sent finally to live with others in different states, so she moved around even without her mom, ended up living with her grandmother and then her biological father in, in, in Tennessee. It was just a hard upbringing. But along the way, by her teenage years, her grandmother spoke some words into her life. And said, you have that... She didn't use this word agency, but she was basically saying, you have agency for your life. You can make something of yourself, yeah. and it doesn't have to be this story. You're more than the circumstances, Yes. Yeah. So this young lady actually began to really manage her emotions well. She could have... You, she, do, if anybody had excuse to not, don't you think it yeah, was her? absolutely. So, to come back and be angry, bitter, seeing a therapist for life over what happened to her. But she really discovered her gifts. She was great with words, she ended up winning a, you know, a, a homecoming queen, and she was valedictorian, and just, just began to win awards when her grandmother, after she became convinced of her grandmother saying, you can be the person you want to be. She ended up being a local news anchor by the time she was 19 years old. Wow. So she was a young leader. Yeah. And she grew up, and everybody listening, Andrew, has heard of this young lady. She's Oprah Winfrey. Mm. Uh, most of us perhaps weren't aware of the hard hurdles she had to jump, But it was really, she would tell you now, it was a matter of me managing myself well so that I could become the person I was really intended to be.
0: Absolutely. So many times we focus on what the students we're leading are doing wrong or perhaps not getting correct, but we forget to think about what could happen if they actually did build some of these life skills. And Oprah is one among many examples we could point to of somebody who, Manage those emotions well, yeah. decided I was not going to be controlled simply by the things that were happening to me and uh, move forward in a way that well, I'd, I'd say she achieved some success. Yes. I don't yes, know if you would say, say so. that, but uh, well, awesome. Well, as we mentioned before, it, this is a, a skill that we need to build in the everyday conversations we have. And Tim made some really great suggestions, but it also takes some intentional action. Uh, As I mentioned, managing emotions is a sub-competency of social and emotional learning, and we are such big believers in taking intentional time to have conversations that build uh, social and emotional skills, like managing emotions, into these students. If you're looking for a way to do that, we have a program. It's not the only program out there, but we're pretty fond of it. We call it Habitudes for Social and Emotional Learning, Uh, and this is a program that utilizes images, stories, uh, really interesting experiences, and also conversations to engage students and help them build some of these all-important competencies. What's really great is we have a high school uh, edition of this program, but we also just released a brand new middle school edition. Both of these uh, middle school and high school versions of this cover all of the competencies in SEL, so we'd love for you to check those out. Head on over to growingleaders.com SEL. You can find out more and actually even try a free sample. We'd love for you to get that. Well, as always, if you would rate this podcast, give us five stars. That gets the word out about what we're doing here. Uh, share this with a friend. If you found it helpful, pass it along to somebody who you think may benefit from it. If you want to connect with us online, we are at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore, pretty much everywhere you are. And then if you've got ideas for this podcast, shoot us an email. It's podcast at Whether it's somebody you think we should interview or a subject you'd like for us to cover, shoot us an email. We love, love getting those. Tim, thank you so much for leading us in this all-important conversation. Guys, go out there and build this all-important life skill in the next generation. And until then, we'll see you next time.